Hi there, and welcome to the Grief and Rebirth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Barnhart, along with author and trauma survivor, Irene Weinberg. We're here to encourage you wherever you are on your healing journey. In each episode, we will chat with incredible grief and trauma specialists, healers, mediums, and celebs, as well as remarkable people who have inspiring healing stories to share. If you're looking for a podcast that's both uplifting and inspiring, you found us. Let us help you find your joy in life. Well, hello out there, podcast world. We're back again for our fourth season here and a new and exciting guest that we have. Um, And I'm joined here again by my favorite co-host. I think I always say that, but she truly is, Miss Irene Weinberg. How are you? Hey, Steph, I am doing so great. Uh, life is good. I have a grandchild coming tomorrow. And uh, for a fact, That's I have right. a grandson coming tomorrow. So that is going to be a very exciting time for us. Well, I'm glad that they were willing to hold out for this podcast so we could get it recorded. <laughs> right. It has already has a great relationship with his grandmother because he's cooperating with me and allowing me to do this today. I'm very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also extremely talking about having a new life come into the world with all that many of us look at a new life and say, well, this is just a new baby. But what we don't know is that often that new baby has had past lives and comes into complete work. Uh, with the people in, in his or her life and all. And the per- we're talking to the perfect person today who can talk to that subject. Her name is Nancy Canning. And I personally am really excited to have Nancy on our show. Me too. This is such a fascinating topic. Absolutely. One of the most fascinating podcast episodes I think we're ever going to have. Uh, Nancy is a hypnotherapist and she takes clients into their past lives, the spirit world, she helps them explore their life purpose and transform their limiting beliefs. And she's written two books with another one on the way. And I personally, I mean, she has a book called Your Life's Calling. And she has another one called Your Soul's Calling. And Your Soul's Calling, it has ragged edges already. I've been referring to it so many times. Um, she is, uh, she's facilitated thousands of sessions into past lives. And she helps clients experience who they are. And what they do between lives, why they chose this life. Can you imagine, Stephanie? You may find out why you chose this lifetime, their purpose, how they're doing. Why I chose this podcast. <laughs> For you. Um, their purpose, how they're doing, meeting with their guides, their elders, their soul family, and more. And she's in the process of writing a third book called Your Heart's Calling. This is going to be just fantastic. So say hello, Nancy. And then I've got some questions that I know our listeners will love to hear about. Great. Well, thank you. Hello, Irene. Hello, Stephanie. I'm thrilled to be here. And um, actually, next week, I realized is my 20 year anniversary from when I had my own life between lives and went into the spirit world and my whole life changed. So it's been 20 years now of doing this kind of work. So let's get at it. There's lots to talk about. So let's start by um, telling people very briefly how you got into this. What is a past life, which is also called reincarnation? What is that all about? So people can understand that. And then we can get into some really great subject matter with all of this. So it started in about 
1982, 83, early 80s, I did not believe in reincarnation. There wasn't much around it. And I flipped into a past life. So this is California, Southern California. I was in a hot tub. We did have our clothes on, so it's okay. And um, I started screaming out loud because I saw this scene in my mind that was so vivid of this Japanese girl with long black hair and a bright blue top in a ditch with her 10-year-old brother, and there were samurai soldiers marching by, and we were hiding. And (laughs) I, even as I talk now, I get chills. I knew that girl was me. There was, there was no room, there was no doubt, nothing. And thank goodness I was with um, a friend in the hot tub who realized, and he, I kept saying I'm making it up, and he just said, keep going with it. So then I started reading and what there was back in the early 80s, and I went into psychic training and started reading, doing psychic readings of past lives. And as time went on, all the doubts I'd ever had just absolutely were gone because this is the only thing that made sense to me. Once I was willing to get through my own limiting thoughts and all of everything I had learned um, that didn't agree with past lives. So basically, past lives, reincarnation simply means we are each a divine soul. We have this, uh, we are divinity and we come into many lifetimes. So we come into this one here. And we're living out our life according to some plans we made before we came into the body. So with a new baby coming tomorrow, that baby is not a blank slate. Um, Already has a soul's plan for this lifetime. Now, whether it goes according to plan, that's called free will. And that's a whole nother subject. But that's basically what past lives is. We come in, we live. We leave the body in transition. We go back to spirit world. We spend time. We learn. We grow. And then when it's time, when it's our choosing, believe it or not, we choose our families and circumstances and lessons and back we come again and again and again. So my little new grandson Mm -hmm. actually chose his mother, his father, his two siblings and, and, and me, known yes. as God, he chose all of us. He chose because, and it's a really important choice, and this can be really tough. So, for listeners who had really difficult childhoods, um, and they could be hearing this going, There's no way I chose my family. We choose, and it's with help from very wise beings, we choose the family dynamics that will best suit what we have come to learn as a soul. So if we've come to learn patience as one of the qualities we really want to develop in ourselves, we will come into a family where patience is tried, where it's not something that's easy to have. For instance, if we want to do love, we will come in perhaps to a family where it's difficult to feel love. Because if you come into a loving family, you're not really learning it, you're experiencing it. We learn many times through, you know, rubbing up against the the hard places. And so when it's difficult to love and we're able to learn to love or forgive anyway. Now, what about if someone comes into a family that's really easy and everything seems to be going really well? They they will still, because I did, I had, I have a terrific family. And in spite of that, I managed to get some limiting beliefs. There are circumstances that happened outside of the home. You can have circumstances um, 
at school where kids make fun of you and you form these limiting beliefs and you still have what you're here to work on. It just didn't happen to come from the dynamics of the family, so to speak. But even with a family, you could come into one, mine, fabulous family, but not really emotionally expressive. Mm -hmm. And so that, now I've learned, was perfect for me because I've come in to learn to open my heart. Well, that wasn't a real, we loved, but it was, I don't know, not superficial, but it wasn't real deep. We didn't know each other well. We were, we were six people living together as a family in love, but it wasn't deep. So I didn't learn how to really engage deeply with other people. So even though it's a good family, there's still stuff going on that's perfect for each person's learning. So it's all so a sole purpose for a person coming in could be that I want to learn how to love better. Yes. How, how to express myself more, yeah. kind of more loving and kind from yeah. my heart space. Yes. Yeah. And as one of the lessons, that's one that pretty much everyone learns. For some people it's more. For some people they have other lessons that are also big for them, like fear. There's people who come in and they're simply fear-based. And Everything about them is fear-based, so they've come in to learn how to not live from fear. Mm. So it's it's kind of easy in some ways if you can stand back from your life and be an observer to it and look at the themes. What are the themes that keep showing up in relationships, in um, work, whatever it might be? And those are some of the lessons you've come in to learn this lifetime. Wow. So I am fascinated by a couple of things that you talked about in your book. And I'm going to let you talk about them, you know, talk about them as they come up, however you want to weave them together. Okay. But you talk about the dark night of the soul, which mm-hmm. so many people go through and do they plan that? They go through a very intense period of their lives when everything seems to be going wrong. What's that about? And then there are people who, and then they always talk about um, people who have an adversarial relationship to time. Mm-hmm. And then there's divine timing. And I must say, I am very challenged with time. Mm-hmm. And then um, people who seem to have too much going on in their lives. And you call them fast trackers. So let me talk about dark night first, because it's a subject I know well. So there's, there's two types of dark night of the soul. Dark night of the soul means that you are, like you said, you're going through a very dark time. Everyone goes through like many short term, like six months a year with the loss. So a dark night always starts with a loss. So it could be a death, the loss of a job, the loss of um, income, employment, something happens and you go through a grieving period and life gets dull, meaning you're just kind of dulled down. Everyone goes through that from time to time in their lives. There is another type of dark night of the soul, which is the mystical one, which is more like three to five years, typically, in which what sets it apart is that you basically lose almost everything within a very short amount of time. Like within a year, you could have major deaths, lose your job, lose the relationship, perhaps lose your health, lose your money, move. What I found was that we tend to keep one element and everything else falls away. So for myself, I kept my health. 
So I never got sick, but got laid off from my job, got divorced, sold everything I owned, left my cats behind, all of my friends and family, and moved from California to the East Coast. So everything was gone. And that is so that you will dig really, really deep inside of yourself and let go of the old way of being. It's in order, it's a mystical, spiritual process. And did we choose it? I would say we did because my spiritual growth is so important to me. This is one means of facilitating spiritual growth. I don't know that we specifically choose each of the circumstances we go through in life. So I want to make that really clear. If someone's been through traumas and, and there's been rape and there's been, you know, murder or terrible things, atrocities. I don't know that we sign up and say, oh, yes, I want that. Instead, what we sign up for is we want to learn lessons and, and the greater beings out there provide circumstances. The order within the universe provides circumstances for us to learn and grow. Albeit it's very difficult, it's still what we are here to do is how do I grow through these challenges? Not why did, that, well, not why did the challenges happen? Who can I become as a result of this? And some people with free will will say, I, I choose to stay in the swamp of misery and despair. And other people with free will will say, who can help me? How can I move through this? Yeah. What's on the other side of that? Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Free will. See, free will is kind of the thing that messes us up because we can choose, like you say, to stay in the swamp. We can choose to stay unconscious. And there's no force from spirit. No one, no being comes in and, you know, jabs us and says, you have to wake up. We're given, we're given little jabs all the time to wake up, wake up, be more loving, look at what's going on within you. But we can choose to ignore that all we want. So I have a quick question. Like, mm -hmm. So I know that we have all these past lives and we're, we're continually evolving, as you said, but like, what are we evolving to? Like, what is this final goal that we're all clearly trying to reach on different levels coming back all the time? And like, you know, how long does it take to get there? How does, is there like a normal amount of like past lives that everybody kind of goes through or, you know, what are those stages? Like, you know, what are, what are we trying mm -hmm. to reach? So what I know of what we're trying to reach, and this is based on these 20 years of taking people into the spirit world, into the afterlife, where you get to see and be, um, I get to be aware of what these much higher levels of love and consciousness are. And so where we're evolving to is to be more like that way of being, which is this absolute beingness of love that we don't even understand in this realm, in this consciousness, because we've got so many, we've got so much going on with these bodies of ours and our emotions that the level of love we're striving for is, um, is, it takes a long time to get there. And then what happens is we don't come back anymore. We're, there's beings on, uh, I say, on the other side in the spirit world who they no longer incarnate. They're, they're done. They're just helping. And who knows? They could go off into other universes. I don't know. But I do know that what we're doing while we're on earth, we choose earth as a place to come because it is so dense and, and, and difficult. This is not an easy place to be, especially these days. We're really challenged to how do we stay in love? How do we grow? How do we really do our own inner work? 
So, I mean, is it kind of safe to say when we look at people like Mother Teresa, like she's like an involved soul because she's just so loving to everybody, whereas like we're not and we try to be? Yep. Actually, um, I think some of the really evolved souls more so are people you wouldn't expect. Um, the one who I met, I've had a lot of people who say, oh, this is my last life. And I'm thinking, I don't think so, but um, <laughs> sorry. But the one who was, he had actually lost 28 jobs in his lifetime. He moved all over. He kept losing jobs and he didn't know why. He knew he was highly evolved. He knew he was, he was going to be gone from this earth soon. He was moving on as a soul. He just knew it. And it turns out the reason he lost all those jobs was he was going around saying goodbye to everyone. Hmm. And in his last life, he had been a street sweeper in New York City. So it's from these people I like go, oh, everything we think about how an evolved soul should show up may not be right. It may not be that they have all the money and all of this. It's who they are. It's a way of being and consciousness that creates the higher level. And so can you kind of, you're able to tell, like, if people come to you, you can kind of figure out kind of where we are on this journey? Well, once we go into the spirit world, I can't tell personally, because I had to do, I was thinking, here was my own naivete. I was thinking, oh, I've been doing this work uh-huh. for 30 years. I'm pretty evolved. So this is my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I went, right. went into the spirit world, and I met my guide, and I immediately took myself back many notches, <laughs> because I wow. went. Oh, that's evolved. And that then meeting the elders, it's like it's out of my realm of of being at this point. So it was like there's no judgment. It's just, oh, I'm like a little more than like halfway, whatever that means. So I'm not a beginner, but I'm not the most advanced person on earth by any means. So nobody ever knows how many lives because we ask that here. But once we get into the spirit world, as a soul, we don't care. So I've never had anyone ask because we don't care. We understand that in spirit, it's not how many lives, it's who are we being? That's what it always comes back to. Who are we being? And however long that takes, that's how long it takes. So if someone's a fast tracker, is it that that they're loading all these problems in their lives now because they're going to cheat and bounce ahead of other people or something? Yeah, well, it's their nature. You know, we all have a personality on a body level, but we also have a (laughs) personality on a soul level. We have a nature to us. And so fast trackers, by nature, just want to do a lot. And they think they can. And so I you talk about it a lot in the book because so many of these people, I don't know how they get up in the morning. My heart goes out to them because they have taken on so many obstacles and lessons and setbacks. And it's so that they can do a lot in one lifetime. But the thing that was, I wrote about it in the book because it's what struck me the most. So many of them said the same thing. When they were in the spirit world, they were warned against taking on so much and yet they insisted thought they could do it because they were arrogant there was a spiritual arrogance that they admitted to in the spirit world saying i thought i could do anything so is that one of their lessons yeah i would think so to get in here and to realize Mm. well you you can't do everything on earth just that's not the way it's set up 
Wow. Or, or they, they do their best. Mm-hmm. And it really did help them to know that that's who they are and what they're doing. So they no longer felt victimized by life. I would imagine if someone's going through a great deal to have to work with someone like you is a tremendous help because it, it reframes the stuff yes. they're going through. Yes. One one woman a couple of years back had um, young woman in her thirties. Her soulmate l- beloved had died a year and a half before, and she was so angry at spirit, so angry at the divine for doing this to her. And it took her a while of her being really angry at the elders. And they finally got through to her. She calmed down. And then they helped her to remember how she chose it. And they had warned her. They said, you'll only have them for a year and a half. And she, as a soul, had said, I don't care. I, that, that's good enough for me. And so once she remembered and everything inside of her changed, she goes, oh, <laughs> oh, Never mind. <laughs> he was saying, "Oh, I was stupid. I shouldn't have taken that off." I know. Okay. No, I, I. Um, so it does help to know that there is a, a greater plan, and with divine timing. See, there's divine timing, but then what gets in the way of people having trouble with time? It's not so much trouble with divine timing; it's their own beliefs about time. So you could simply have a subconscious belief that says there's not enough time. And if you have that thinking in your subconscious brain that you learned in childhood by looking at, you know, family or whatever, that's what you play out. So it really isn't divine timing so much. It's our own thinking about time. And I've had people just by affirmations have changed their whole relationship to time. It's very fun to play with time. So don't. I know. I have tons of questions about this. Go ahead, Irene. Yeah, I'll just ask mine, and then you can ask yours. So fascinating. So, for instance, for people who are uber, I know people who are uber, uber punctual people that they they're an hour early for something or a half an hour early for something, and then I know people who are usually 10 minutes or 15 minutes late because they're doing this and they're doing that. And they're yeah. just, they, they're less stressed about time or they're very stressed about it because the uber punctual ones are giving them a hard time because they yeah. seem to be running late. What is, yeah. what is, what are those two styles all about? So that's simply their unconscious belief systems. That's that first book I wrote that you talked about your life's calling getting unstuck and fulfilling your life lessons is all about how when we're very young, we're being programmed, we're figuring out life, we're taking on, we're sponges. And so people who need to be an hour early have somehow learned their thinking is this is how I'm safe, or this is how I'm prepared, or, and it comes from something that's happened in childhood where either their family was like that, so they're just copying, or they were late one time for something and got terribly in trouble, got bad circumstances, whatever happened because of being late, and they made the decision, don't ever be late. So things happen early on that we make these choices, subconscious programs that happen, and that's what determines our relationship to time. Time is simply time. It's the same for every single person. It's our own relationship to it that determines it. So someone who um, has to be early or has to be late can learn to be the other way. It's just a matter of changing their 
there's there's subconscious. It's not the conscious mind thinking because they could want to be on time and then the pattern happens and they fall into the old way of being 10 minutes late. Absolutely can change it through changing their thinking. And then there are actual cultures that seem to... Um... Yeah, I know people like that, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They, they run late all the time. Or, yeah, you know, Yana, hour and a half late for dinner is like nope. on time. Right. <laughs> yep, that's a cultural thing. Yeah. We actually, a friend of mine for Christmas a couple of years ago had invited brand new neighbors from across the street to come and join us. They showed up an hour and a half late and offered no apologies. <laughs> I think people in my room would be going crazy yeah, if right. that happened. <laughs> well, we didn't wait. We went on an eight. We'd already put all the food away because we figured, well, they're not coming. So, and for them, it was it was a cultural thing, and it was perfectly normal. So, it's all in our thinking. So, it can be our own family, it can be our own personal thinking, our family thinking, or our cultural thinking. Wow, that's interesting. But, it's all, it all can be changed. And that may change over time. I used to always have to be really early and my husband was late. And being together for 12 years, we kind of changed places. I started seeing his way of doing it. And he started seeing my way of doing it. And I then started being a little late and he started being a little early. Wow. So <laughs> you want to ask a question about, about this? Well, yeah. So, um, Irene and I recently found out that we kind of had a past life run in together. Um, and now we're here again. But so my question is, is like you said, like you kind of choose your parents, your mom, your stuff, but like, um, so do you kind of always have those same people as like your mom or your sisters and do their personalities kind of stay the same? Like my mom right now, was she my mom in this past life probably, or was it somebody else or, like, do you stay always close to those people? We will weave back and forth. We don't always stay with the same family dynamic each time, no. But we can weave back and forth. So my family has all done this. And back many years ago when we got together at Christmas, we talked about who had killed who and who, you know, in past lives. <laughs> and my nephew, my nephew wow. was in Stanford getting his degree in physics. So very, very left brain. And he just sat there and I started laughing at him. And I said, do you wonder how you got into this family? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we do. We, we will come back. And so to answer that, if we have unfinished business with someone, which we often do, we will come back with them, perhaps not the next life. It could be many lives. With my former husband, it had been like 1,500 years from what we could mm -hmm. tell. We had, a, but we had something to clean up. We cleaned it up and then we were done. So supposedly if Stephanie and I had unfinished business from a past life that brought us into this life, we could, it's unfinished. Yes. We could continue on in other lives together. Yes. Yes. And it doesn't have to be bad things. I have soul girls, especially women. We women have soul sisters that we're very, very close to. They are definitely our sisters just with, you know, different families. We will do lifetime after lifetime after lifetime together in different ways. There's just this deep soul love that we come in as a support for one another. It doesn't have to be adversarial at all. So we'll come in for one another and just be there as a, a reminder that we're not alone and we're supported and we're loved by these friends. 
so that we can go through more difficult times, perhaps with family. So it may be that the family is the more difficult one and the friends are more of the support. I can see that. I consider a lot of my friends my family, you know, and yes, it seems that we've been through a lot together. Maybe not just this lifetime. Yeah. Many lifetimes. And, um, and you can kind of feel it. It's like you're just so comfortable with one another. You just know that you know them. And that's one way of knowing you've been with someone before, is there's just a, a, a comfort and a knowing. And sometimes people know each other immediately. My parents recognized each other immediately. They were their own true love. They, they got married on their 10th date during the war and were together for 68 years. Wow. It was definitely not their first time together. They knew and and it was a good relationship for them so those are two souls who they've done this before but there may be other lives that they will not be coming in together they may have some work to do individually or whatever yes i worked with a man once who um his soulmate his beloved is in spirit and didn't come into this lifetime. And I didn't know it at the time, but my client was suicidal because he was so missing that his soulmate could feel him. So his soulmate is actually also a male. This guy usually comes in as a male, as a female, but this lifetime he's male in this life. Anyway, he he doesn't get to have his soulmate with him this lifetime because in all these lifetimes, he keeps letting his soulmate, who was always the male in the life, do all the work. And he would just kind of skate by and he wasn't doing his own work. As a female, he was just kind of being complacent. So he had to come into this lifetime to do the work and catch up, so to speak, because he was their, their consciousness was getting too far apart. So there may be times when the one that we love most is absolutely not coming into our lifetime with us because we've got things to learn that they, we would acquiesce and just get into the old pattern of letting them make all the decisions or whatever it might be. I see a lot of relationships like that. And now Mm -hmm. once you gave him that information, was he better about handling his loneliness? Yes. 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 He was told in no uncertain terms, do not commit suicide because that won't get you what you want. Live the life out to your fullest. Go learn your lessons. It was his his soulmate, beloved, who was talking to him, like going, you've got to do the work. You've got to do it. I want to be with you again. You've got to do the work. So he um, got a really clear message. Now I have one more question and then we have to end, which is so sad, but so if a, if a, what happens when someone commits suicide, because obviously you come in mm-hmm. to, to um, achieve certain things and to learn certain lessons, and now you've cut it short on your own, mm-hmm. um, what happens to the soul in that case? So there's a couple I've worked with, and I'll make it quick, but um, there's only love on the other side. So I'm not advocating suicide, but I also know there's only love. And as was written also in Journey of Souls by Michael Newton, um, someone committed suicide and got to the other side. And the guy's like looking at a watch, so to speak, going, what are you doing back? Not, not, not time yet. And so you get healing and loved, and then poof, you're 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 back again because you realize as soon as you're out of the body, it's like, oh, I had other choices. I just didn't see them. So you're loved, but there's consequences. Meaning, you don't get off scot free. You've got to come back and learn whatever was too much for you. You're going to come back and try it again. Wow, it 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 uh, lends a lot of credence to 
healing and taking care of yourself while you're here. Who wants to come back yeah. to learn these same <laughs> lessons? Yeah, because it would be even more difficult, I would think, because if you've taken your own life, um, you're going to come back and you may, because the ramifications for how that affects all of your loved ones, you never think about that. The, the person who's doing suicide can't, can't think of the ramifications. But on the other side, you get to see the pain that was caused. And it's very likely that in another lifetime, you'll then be the recipient of that kind of someone leaving you suddenly. So, so that it's a balance. It's not punishment. It's we're learning what is it and how do our actions affect others? And so we learn both sides of, of it. I've, I often have that with people who've come and they've had loved ones commit suicide and they want to know, and they do a past life and they go back into a past life in which they committed suicide. Wow, that puts a whole different uh, angle on that angle, I would say. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, so let me, I don't want to end, but I think we need to. So let me end this and by asking you, Nancy, with all that you've learned and all the past life work that you've done and and all the many stories you've had and going through your own mm -hmm. life and lessons, what is your tip for finding joy in this lifetime? So funny you should ask that, but um, it's this next book that I'm being driven to write, Your Heart's Calling, because my, my true belief is, and it's also my lesson to learn this lifetime, it's about going to your heart really learn how do you go into your heart and listen to what does your heart want? Because within your heart is the essence of joy. Your heart will never lead you wrong. Your head, yes, your head will lead you wrong, will lead you away from joy. But your heart, when you really learn, so it's about learning how to really on a on a many, many times a day, you go in there and you just find that gratitude and that joy and you find what is it that's making your heart sing. Wow. So when really quick, because I know we got to wrap up here. What um, where are your books currently and when is this book coming out? Oh, the, the when is this book coming out is the big question. The other two, Your Life's <laughs> Calling and Your Soul's Calling are on Amazon. And um, you can order them through bookstores. Bookstores can get them. Your heart's calling. It's so interesting. I made the decision to only do it when I was feeling like loving doing it. And I've been hitting a really rough spot with it. So I'm going through some learning myself. It will be, I'd hope to do it this year. It'll be next year, it looks like. But all I have to do is just get back in that groove. And, and But this dry spell I'm in is part of the book. And it's part of your time timing. Yeah, it's part of the divine timing. It's part of what am I learning? Because other people go through this too. So how can I help them if I'm not going through it and like going, oh, this is how I come out of this. These are some ways of how do yeah. I find my heart when I'm feeling kind of dry. So I'm, I'm living it. Well, we'll definitely, we'll have to look forward to that, Nancy. I mean, we're definitely excited to see that. And you'll have to let us know so we can talk to you when that new book comes out we'll too. Do. But you know, unfortunately, we have to wrap up our episode again. But I mean, I'm always curious to talk more about past lives. And I know Irene is too. But um, as Irene, I always like to let you close. What do you like to say? I always like to say, especially appropriate with Nancy, be continued. To be continued. Be continued. <laughs>